This is Spreaker Web Radio. This week's episode is by E. Appleton, and it's called The Consequence of Fear. The note on the locked door read, Biology Lab is closed for the mechanical repairs. Anatomy 101 monkey dissections are due next week. Pick up your bone boxes at the TA's office. Quiz on Friday. Dr. P. Ricketts. Oh, jeez. It's Wednesday, I muttered in the empty hall of the McNabb Science Building. My partner Trina and I were supposed to finish a dissection map of Lucy our monkey cadaver drunk on formaldehyde. We were to tag the muscular and general nervous systems of her legs yesterday, but Trina got the stomach flu. She answered her dorm door this morning in a distinct shade of sick. All she could manage was a weak moan in her fluffy pink bathrobe as her wiry hair raised at attention. So here I stood, half relieved of the latter due date, and mentally trying to juggle my tight schedule at the end of a long college day. Okay, the quiz has moved up, and Lucy is due next week. My history essay is due on Friday. I need to do one more read-through. I decided to take anatomy just because, well, not I had an elective open this term. If I had it my way, I'd take every course on campus, including Medieval Plumbing 101. Now I knew why, at registration, my guidance counselor gave me that skeptical smirk when he asked me twice, Are you sure about the anatomy class? It's a lot to juggle for a freshman. 
I knew what I wanted. I knew I could handle it. The building was too quiet. I looked at my watch. It was 9.30 in the evening. I hurried through the empty basement hall to the TA's office. I could hear the fluorescent bulbs humming above me like a gang of lightning bugs. When I turned the corner to the TA's office, I heard a one-sided conversation from his open door. As its rectangular light spilled on the linoleum floor, caught like a prisoner. Yeah, meet you in ten at the pub. I saw Corey adjust his wide-rimmed glasses on his thin face as he turned from his desk, clipping his cell phone to the pen holder in his shirt pocket. When he saw me, his expression was still flooded in that conversation, somewhere between anticipation and smug. He reminded me of a tall, thin, quirky rabbit. I bet that was his girlfriend. I, I stood at the door, puffing air, pushing my book-laden knapsack further up my shoulder. Let me guess, you're happy to see me, and you want a box of my bones, right? He stood up and reached across his crammed desk in an overstuffed key ring. How did you guess? I replied with almost sarcasm intact. You've got that eager first-year thing about you. He took two quick paces back to a steel closet behind him, undid the lock, and took out a brown cardboard box, placing it on his file-ridden desk. You're lucky it's the last box. You're not in this department, are you? I picked up the box gingerly, as if it were a rare antiquity. I was surprised at the weight. It was so light. He must have seen my perplexed expression and said, Yeah, without meat, fat, fluid, we're light as dust. I was hoping to catch the number 404 bus to the subway station. It was a dark November night with cold sleeting rain hitting my face. Home was a rented room in a boarding house way off campus. It was cheaper and the neighbors though off-color and temperamental at best, were more predictable than the stuffed flu-infested co-ed dorm. The bones rattled in its box under my arm. I adjusted my stride, remembering the smart-ass TA's reproach. When I hurried out of his cubbyhole of an office, you break them, you buy them. The subway doors closed behind me. The train creaked ahead into a tired, jerky motion. I fell into the closest seat to the door. My knapsack was still heavy on my back, and the box was on my damp jean thighs. I sniffled, trying to settle my mind, remembering the quiz highlight as my stomach cracked. I know, I forgot to have supper again. What's in my bread? Processed cheese. Bread? Muscle? Oh. Uh, Forgot to buy out. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I like running. Me too. What? I was dozing off, hearing a voice. I looked around the rocking subway car. There was only one other passenger. A guy in a park at the far end with earphones in his head, jamming away in his own world. My stomach growled again 
I closed my eyes, leaning my damp hair against the cold glass partition, relieved that my stomach was playing mind games with me. My eyelids fell heavy. I settled in again. I used to play football. A young man's accented voice was so clear. Its cold sharpness penetrated into my white. I looked beside me. See, then? The only thing that occupied the car, my immediate space, was the flickering lights from the subway tunnel. I shook my head as the car pulled into the next station, seeing the other passenger in the car in a grooving saunter no one else got on. I smirked. The train jolted forward, a spiky, high staccato underneath my hiking. This was the longest tunnel in the a full ten minutes. I settled in again, emptying my mind of the day. I ran on the beach. The voice was louder, closer, distinctive. I'm losing my mind. I've lost it. You're not like the others. You were careful in that run. I only jumped a little. I was free. The voice wasn't in my head. Its source was coming from the box. I widened my stare, loosened my cautious grip of it. The lid flew open, exposing a set of bleached white bones from a complete human leg. The thing jumped out of the box and into the vinyl floor of the subway car. I pushed back into my seat, squeezing, climbing its backrest, dropping the box in a silent face and sporting stern. The leg wiggled bony white toes making a scratching sound on the floor. The assembled bony leg hopped forward, and in my mind I heard its young voice say, Man, that box was tight. Good to get out and stretch. So what do you mean? Well, what? Hey, you're not my first, you know. The last guy, that football player, his roommate treated me real bad. They hung me out of their dorm in a rainstorm dressed it in a jockstrap and a fishnet stocking. I bet you wouldn't do that, right? His voice tightened in the question like a shrill screw. I gazed around the train. The car was empty, moving. It was just me, talking legs. No witnesses to repute or agree to my insanity. I was ready to crawl up the train wall as my heart raced in my chest. This isn't real. This isn't real. You're having a nightmare. For God's sake, wake up. Wake up! I stammered. You're, you're not real. It's not... I'm just hungry or something. You're alive. Not like me. I'm real in your reality. Trapped by your own fear. Hey! Wanna see me dance? I was pretty good twister. Mashed potato was my groove, but I could be better with the other leg. He started to twist on the spot, bending his knee and traveling sideways, away from my seat. I heard him singing in a squeaky, determined adolescent voice. I saw an opportunity to slowly move towards the doors that connected the train's cars. I crept, watching the legs shimmy dance and sing down the middle of the car, 
When I got to the door, I pulled the lever. The door was locked. I panicked. I started rattling the cold metal handle, desperately trying to unlock it. Hey! Where are we going? The leg faced me, top forward. Out! You can't leave me behind. You signed that release. You own me. His tone turned menacing. You own me for the rest of your life. No, no. I started harassing the door handle again, then felt something scratching the back of my leg. A chilling tingle ran up my spine. The leg advanced and implored. I'm yours. I'm yours. We don't need anyone else. We will never change. Never die. Go hungry. Or be afraid of being alone. I screamed out, flattened against the door, watching the leg approach. I yelled out the first thing that came to my mind. Articular area of the head. Greater Trochanter. Enter Trochantry. Line. Lesser Trochanter. Greater Trochanter? Forever. Forever. The leg moaned. No. Stop. The names. I'm more than a bone. I'm more than a bone. And backed away, one hop at a time. I repeated the words as an incantation naming the parts of the upper end of the human tibia. Trochanchka. Trochanchi. Osa. Trochantri. Fossa. Lesser. Trochanter. Bovia. 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 My voice got stronger, the words came easier. All the studying, cramming I did the night before for the anatomy exam spilled out of my dry mouth. The legs stumbled back. I advanced in full voice. It bumped into a floor to, to a ceiling pole, then stopped. We were at a standstill as the train continued to barrel down the deep tunnel. I had to hold it back until the next station. When the doors would automatically open and I'd lurch out in a running escape. Fovia! No, Fovava! Fovia! Fovia! I yelled at it. Fovia! Never! The leg jumped at my face with all its bare white digits splayed out like the claws of an angry cat. My body violently convulsed. Another voice spoke clearly in my mind. Take the pills. Take the pills. The male, calm, deep voice was familiar. As the neural digits flew towards me, I froze in indecision singly. I yelled out, Damn! I forgot! I forgot! The leg stopped in midair. The subway tunnel lights stopped flickering. The mad train car stopped shaking. I was standing in silence, bathed in adrenaline, and sweat as my skin began to tingle uncontrollably. Stricken in fear, I watched the leg hang, suspended like a possessed puppet, a foot away from my face. I forgot. I forgot. Sorry. My voice trembled. The space I, I occupied began to phase, morph into a world great tone, like a vertical tornado. I felt nothing in its wake. 
as though I were a spectator removed from time. Only my racing heart gave me the strange reassurance that I did exist. I was afraid. The angry set of bones disappeared in this atmospheric artificial oddity. Then it all went black. I couldn't move and wasn't sure that I wanted to. What if I stepped off the edge of time? Who would notice? I would. A voice answered. This was your idea, Joe. You wanted this trial. You picked the most difficult simulation in the test. There are no bony talking legs on Earth. You are bad, baby. Spotlight shone in my eyes. In pain, I shielded them with my arm, squinting as my senses spun in confusion. Jim is my earth name, and he pronounced it as a parent scolding a child. We don't have names here on Terry. Yeah, I thought I was ready. I thought I could push through it. I replied, feeling the sweat running down my back. Recognizing the familiar pang of failure so deep, my whole being felt sour and sick. Well, we'll discuss this formally later, Jim. But you must accept the facts, and without that pill, you will never be able to join the evacuation. There is no shame in failure. We all have family who will never leave. We are born to face our fate. Even Earth beings believe this. I didn't want to hear his logical rebuff. I knew why I was here and why I failed. in America should have an electric chair. And every man just once in his life should sit in it, just so that he can feel the power of millions of gallons of electricity flow through his veins. I got an electric chair, that's all I need. You get an electric chair, Sheldon, you don't have to worry about the audience. You get an electric chair, you can tell them anything you want, as long as it's real. You get yourself an electric chair and it'll sit there all night long. Kind of a funny idea sitting in an electric chair and doing a show. Well, think of the therapeutic value of an electric chair and all the money it has. Yes, sir, an electric chair in every home. The Electric Chair, a show about horror. Electricchairshow.com. Electric Chair. Next week, we'll have another story, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. See you next week. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now.